Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. Good evening and welcome to the Alpha Show at TruthWorks Network where the truth must be spoken more than once. I'm strange that my uh, my startup didn't start up. <laughs> it's still processing. <laughs> well, let me go from here. I don't know if I can be heard. I don't know if um, I'm transmitting, but um, at this point, I'm supposed to be able to be heard until um, I'm able to get some coordination with my chat room and um until I can actually find out exactly what the hell is going on. I'm going to run this. Connection to a data network. We're going to keep them with us throughout the day. And while I travel around D.C., we're going to figure out just what Google is finding out about me. Our first stop, Sims Convenience Store, just outside our Fox Bureau, for a quick coffee. From there, we took a walk to the Capitol and took a quick walk around the Senate office buildings and then decided to hop in a car and head around town. Hello. We're going to the Children's Hospital, please. To run our tests, we had to do more than walk the block, so we took a tour around our nation's capital. First, due north to the Children's National Medical Center Hospital, then west to St. Albans School and the National Cathedral. Our tour around town was a 14-mile journey that lasted more than an hour. The entire time, the phones had no access to the Internet. Oh, my goodness. Not a Wi-Fi connection and not any cellular data service. It almost seemed quaint to assume that Google wouldn't even be able to collect data on me. Let's head back to the bureau, my friend. Ugh, that church is beautiful. Google's business model is simple. Collect data on its users and then use that data to sell targeted ads. It's a business model called surveillance capitalism. But does that critical data collection work even when your phones aren't connected? So we're back here at our Fox Bureau in D.C., and we've got both of our phones exactly how we left with them. The only difference, really, I snapped a couple of bad selfies at the National Cathedral. <laughs> but otherwise, they have stayed in my pocket for the entire day. So let's find out what they know. This is our man-in-the-middle device. It's basically a Wi-Fi network that these phones are going to connect to once we turn their Wi-Fi on. It's going to pass data through it on the way to Google, but on the way, we're actually going to get a copy of the same data that Google's going to get. We'll be able to decrypt it and then find out where we've been throughout the day. Within minutes, the numbers rolled in. The phone that wasn't on airplane mode registered more than 100 locations, 130 activities, and even 152 barometric readings. 
As soon as it hooked up to our Wi-Fi, it transmitted 300 kilobytes of data straight to Google. The phone even logged our exact location, tracking us all around town, the Capitol, the hospital, the school, and the cathedral. Now, you may notice what's missing here is the exact route that we took, but it got that data, too. It knows when I got out of the car. The metadata has a time log down to the very second, tracking everything when they think that you're walking, riding, and yes, even getting out of the car. Okay, so you're thinking, this isn't a big deal. I'll just put my phone in airplane mode. Yeah, we thought of that too. This is the other phone that we had with us that no SIM card also remained in airplane mode the entire time. Let's see what kind of data it captured. The phone with airplane mode activated actually logged more locations and activities than the other phone, and it also transferred hundreds of kilobytes of data to Google as soon as it was activated. The only thing that's missing from this map is our stop at the children's hospital, but it still knows we were there. There it is. Exiting vehicle, 100% accuracy. Through complicated user agreements and free software, Google gets users to sign away their privacy for nothing. They're even following you in the places that most people would expect total privacy. Government buildings, a children's hospital, a private school, a church. Every move you make, every step you take, Google is watching you. Ah, that's a little piece of the Google tracking monster. You've got Google as I have. They're tracking you. They are literally becoming Big Brother. Make no mistake about it. And I will try, simply try, to sound the alarm. And I'll try to sound the alarm because we seem to have a disconnection and some type of misdirection about where we are and what we are doing. The country has not just been compromised. The country is under full attack. We're under siege. And under siege is Vladimir Putin and the Russians have taken control of our government because their puppet is dismantling our government bit by bit, day by day. The longer he's there, the more damage he'll do. Is it any wonder that Vladimir Putin came out with a nuclear video? Happened to be seven years old, though, so you can take some consolation in that but um, make no mistake about it Democrats aren't fighting and Republicans aren't Americans they are not Americans now hear this Donald Trump and the Republican Party have infiltrated America's values and America's democracy, and they are destroying it for Vladimir Putin. It used to be a war of ideology. Now it's just flat-out 
do or die. We are under siege, and if you don't adhere to it, if you don't treat it like a moment of full-blown desperation, then you will be engulfed. You will be swallowed. I saw a couple deported to Mexico, and they have um, a clip of it on um, Facebook, and they left their kids behind. Couple who came from to New Jersey from Mexico thirty years ago has been deported, leaving three children behind. They said goodbye to their kids at Newark Airport before boarding a flight to Mexico City. The children ages sixteen, twenty two, and twenty four are all American citizens. There is no distance. I will always have them in my heart. Oscar Campos told the news network. Campos said he fled violence in his hometown of some city down there and crossed the border into Texas in 1989. Reports that after a lengthy effort to obtain work visas, the couple was ordered by immigration officials to leave the country. Here's a man that's been in the country 30 years. Just before the country left, he had some parting advice for his children. And that advice simply was, fight for your dreams because life continues and you will always find good people for you. Now, this was just one particular story. There's another story. They're deporting people who have been here 29, 30 years, 39, 45 years, and have made a way of life, know nothing about Mexico that they can remember. Now, I hope I can be heard, as I said. I don't know my... um, Startup audio didn't come on, and when I got to it, it said... Processing. Well, hell. <laughs> I started that up at the start of yesterday afternoon at, at 1 o'clock, but it's still processing. And it was a very, I would call it a, a, a very moving motivational speaker. And uh, the name of it was uh, Dim Your Light. And it was uh, it's it was a, it's a serious, a very serious. Uh, this woman who is from the poorer sides of a country, a black woman who was told she would never amount to anything, a black woman who was ridiculed, criticized, demeaned by the white establishment that she called teachers. And yet she has risen above 
she has risen above all to become very successful. I wish I could do it all, do it over, but um, like I said, on my board, on my studio, it says processing audio file. All I can do at this point is um, go to another form of a primitive form of audio. Things I used to do before before I got um, by the CEO of my boss, my big sister, if you will. And um, but it's gotten there. I have a few things that I do want to do want to play for you, but um, this above all, not only caught my caught my attention, but held my attention, and held my attention because it was so demonstratively true. It was so apropos. Now, the way I'm going to play it for you has to be in a primitive mode, but I'm going to try it anyway. Which means it may hurt my ability to come back to my communication level. Here we go. It's a life of hustle and survival. I remember when my, my ninth grade teacher asked me, Lisa, what do you want to be when you grow up? And see, I have to fight the hardest of 30 every day to get home from school, so I looked at her and said a lot. I took an English class, I got a fail in English. And my English teacher said it from the entire class, Lisa, you have to be the weakest writer I've ever met in my entire life. Don't worry, my story is good. Please snap 
be trying to weigh up. Because you got way more to give us. It ain't over yet. Don't put a period with God to the constant. And when you turn it up to 159 watts, you know, you keep turning it up. You're like, you stop dimming your light. You say the day is the first day of the rest of my life. You turn it up. You don't find people that can't handle your light. And before today, you might have dimmed your light. You might have struck a little bit. You might have tempered it down a little bit. But after today, I want you to see this. After today, turn the lights up. After today, you don't dare dim your light. As the light gets brighter, as the light gets brighter, you're going to disrupt some people, and they're going to tell you your light's too bright, your light's too bright, your light's too bright, your light's too bright. Then you just look at them and say, well, I'm not giving my light. I'm just going to hand you some tape. Well, you can find that clip on my Facebook page or on the page of the Alpha Show. It's called, it's a life of hustle and survival. Um, Lisa Nichols is the young lady's name. But um, she's all natural and she's real. She brings it. I mean, literally brings it. So I had to switch back over to my Bluetooth. Can you hear me out? Can you hear me? I have got a certain message that I would like to disseminate to you because it has hit me with a start like a, like a baseball bat behind my head. It has struck me to a point where I've begun to realize this has moved from a ideology, from a competitive or battling thoughts. This has moved into a realm of survival, all-out war. This has come to a point where it's not enough to just say, tell the truth. The truth must be spoken more than once because the lies are being repeated at nausea. And with the lies and disinformation, they've plunged this nation, plunged this country into chaos. Not just the White House. The White House is a puppet of their puppet master, Vladimir Putin. He is getting his revenge on the United States of America. They are destroying all norms. They are further polluting our society with guns. And if you dare to stand against them, they will violate you. 
They will betray you. They will do whatever it takes to silence you. Don't allow that to happen. The lack of an effective pushback has been occurring for over 50 years. And I'm fading. The lack of anything that we hold dear is being snatched out from under us as we are in a proverbial time machine. And it's taken us back to the 40s and 50s, back to a day of Jim Crow, of Klan, of separate and unequal. This war on minorities by an alt-right troop who has destroyed communication. You know, the first target in a war is to destroy and take out their communications. They have just about taken out our communications. Because the truths are branded as fake news. Those who dare stand up won't stand a chance. I've got a few clips. They've demonized and vilified intellectualism. They've called it elite, elite, not elite, elite. This is why they are so afraid of smart people, like in Hollywood, liberals, the intellectual liberal elite. And they fear us most because we are the people of common goals. We are the people of helping one another out. This battle started over 50 years ago, and it started with a group of people who called it an ideology so they would not alarm us. But make no, don't be confused. There's no doubt about it. 50 years ago, what they started was an attack on our way of life and our democracy. It wasn't bad enough that people of color were getting the short end of the stick. They weren't satisfied until they got full control, and they're almost there. And I want to play this for you because it speaks volumes. It literally speaks volumes as to what has happened and what has been happening for the last 50-odd years. Listen to it carefully. The intellectual elite. Intellectual elite. Intellectual elite. The intellectual elite. Know-it-all, academic, soy latte, vegan, complete the Saturday New York Times crossword puzzle, coastal, kale, 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 intellectual elite. 
Why is intellectualism always equated with elitism? Maybe because in a time when facts don't matter and authority gets its strength from blind trust, knowledge isn't power, it's a problem. Maybe it's our puritanical roots, or maybe it's Fraser Crane. But Americans don't like intellectuals. That's why in American politics, not knowing much or appearing like you don't can be seen as a virtue. It shows that a politician is down to earth, relatable, someone you could have a beer with, or five beers with, or however many you had before you passed out and they drew a wang on your forehead. Anti-intellectualism is what made someone from one of the most elite families who graduated from one of the most elite universities appear to be of the people. To those of you who received honors, awards, and distinctions, I say well done. And to the C students, you too can be president of the United States. And then one day a war criminal. And of course, back then, no one could have imagined a more grotesque celebration of hawkish anti-intellectualism until the primaries of 2016. We won with young. We won with old. We won with highly educated. We won with poorly educated. I love the poorly educated. We're the smartest people. We're the most loyal people. And that's just it. Trump loves the poorly educated because they're loyal. Just like peasants or beagles or Eric. They don't know any better. The less educated you are, the less capacity you have to think for yourself. And the less capacity to think for yourself, the easier it is to blindly place your trust in authority. And Trump was right to love the poorly educated because he went on to win the election in large part thanks to voters without a college education. He vastly outperformed Clinton in the 50 least educated counties in the country where people might not have minded a president who literally speaks at a fourth grade level. Trump's lack of adult vocabulary, or coherence, is part of the Republican brand, though, to distance themselves from the elite classes they are indeed a part of in order to gain the trust of the general public, who they ultimately plan to f*** over. And it's been happening for decades. This is the issue of this election. Whether we believe in our capacity for self-government or whether we abandon the American Revolution and confess that a little intellectual elite in a far distant capital can plan our lives for us better than we can plan them ourselves. Yeah, don't trust anyone who knows what they're doing. Trust the guy from Bedtime for Bonzo, whose brilliant economic plan is just his name with nomics on the end. And hear how Paul Ryan peddles the same anti-intellectualism today. We do not believe that we should be governed by elites. We do not believe that there are experts or elites who should steer us in their preferred direction. Mm. So good to hear you support regular folks, Paul. I'm sure the Medicare for All iron worker Randy Bryce will appreciate your endorsement for Wisconsin's first district. Oh, hey, isn't that your district? One way the right equates expert knowledge with elitism is by painting higher education as the enemy. President Obama once said he wants everybody in America to go to college. What a snob. Next, he'll want us all to have health care. And some of us don't want to have to wait 50 years to meet Jesus. But it's easy for the right to demonize higher education as elitist because college itself is so inaccessible. And instead of working to make it more accessible by lowering tuition and alleviating student debt, right-wingers make education even more expensive by gutting public schools in favor of expensive private ones. It's almost as if it's in some people's political interest to keep people poorly educated. I just described Betsy DeVos's job. Meanwhile, the GOP continues to parrot down-home working-class solidarity, which is mostly crap. 
For instance, that lunch that Santorum was speaking at was for Americans for Prosperity, the nonprofit group of libertarian Sith Lord billionaires, the Koch brothers, a group that regularly supports union busing and is vehemently against raising the minimum wage. Mmm, feel the solidarity. But please, go on, Rick. They're good, decent men and women to go out and work hard every day and put their skills to test that aren't taught by some liberal college professor and trying to indoctrinate them. And that, right there, is the second prong to the right's anti-intellectualism, painting higher education not just as elitist, but liberal. Many universities are becoming bastions of liberal bias rather than institutions for higher learning. There's a bias in favor of liberal points of view on campuses that are run by government. It's a joke that these elite universities claim to be bastions of academic freedom when really they're only bastions of political correctness. Yeah, to the right, universities are bastions of political correctness because there are lessons on the French Revolution, gender studies, and consent. So it's no wonder that after all this bashing of college, one out of three Americans now thinks that higher education does more harm than good. Also, one in four Americans believes the sun revolves around the earth, which probably means two out of three Americans think college gives you skin cancer. And it is true that adults that are more highly educated have more so-called liberal thoughts on social issues and the environment. Things like climate change is real and universal health care will help people and other ideological nonsense, also known as facts. But the right combats these realities taught in universities by dismissing them all as simply overly sensitive political correctness that discriminates against conservative viewpoints. Take Charlie Kirk. This 24-year-old runs a group called Turning Point USA that professes so-called free speech on college campuses by, say, keeping a menacing list of liberal professors on its website. Listen to Kirk justify his campus crusade. Look, a university is supposed to be a place where disagreement, the free flow of ideas happen, right. where people can say, I, I respect your opinion, but I respectfully disagree. Universities are no longer those places. Time out. Charlie Kirk never actually went to college. Uh, why would he? He's on Fox. Time in. They are really islands of totalitarianism, where if you disagree with the faculty, the professors, the administration, or the left-wing students on campus, you can't respectfully disagree. You will be silenced, you will be suppressed, and you will be called a racist. Or, Charlie, you will be called a racist because it turns out your organization is pretty f***ing racist. The thing is, Turning Point USA does exactly what Kirk imagines liberal universities are doing. Propaganda. He admits to taking money from fossil fuel interests and then working against fossil fuel divestment campaigns. In fact, the right as a whole has had a way bigger hand in university education than they let on. Since the 60s, right-wing think tanks and private family foundations have poured billions into universities to promote free market thinking. There's the Olin Foundation, which started the conservative Madison program at Princeton and has supported right-wing ideologues from Samuel, Muslims Can't Do Democracy, Huntington, to Dinesh, Welfare is Slavery, D'Souza or the Bradley Foundation and its support of gutting Wisconsin's education budget. But please, please, Charlie, tell me about liberal totalitarianism. For decades, one percenters have worked hard to correct the liberal bias that comes with more knowledge because they know that higher learning has been linked to beliefs in things like democracy, equality, deductive reasoning, and other stuff that makes you look at the Republican tax plan and go, Wait a minute. They hate that higher education, despite their best efforts, does not turn you into a mindless worker bee with a malleable brain and nimble fingers with which to assemble the robots that are eventually going to take your job assembling robots until one day you wake up and go, Hey, how come all the immigrants are taking my robot assembling robots job? Now listen. 
Call me a New York Times crossword puzzle, soy kale, coastal, Fraser kale, elitist intellectual if you want. All I have is a bachelor's degree, a bunch of books I haven't read on my shelf, and my spirit animal is Cardi B. It doesn't take a genius to realize that the plan to simultaneously defund and then delegitimize education is a way to keep us all very dumb. To keep us shopping on credit, blaming immigrants, and hailing the biggest anti-intellectual of them all. So maybe stay in school and stay woke. Can I still say woke in 2018? Hey everyone, thanks for watching Newsbroke. I'm Francesca. And there you go. Uh, I can really speak to some of the things. This has been going on. It started about a little over 50 years ago. And they've beat that drum ad nauseum. Just like life, right to life, they've beat that drum ad nauseum. Just like they've demonized and vilified intellectualism, education, and being liberal. They've also demonized and vilified affirmative action, the race card, and now they're well on their way to demonizing regulations, diversity, and it's an attack from the thousand points of light. You remember that statement? The thousand points of light. There are attacks on everything that our democracy is about. There, It's an attack. It is a serious attack on everything we are about. Well, my volume is low. Let me see if I can. I don't know. Is that better? No, we got to do something about this. <laughs> let me come. Let me come over here and, and try to fix this volume. This is a fight and a fight to the death. Because what is dying is your way of life, as we have known it. What is dying is the basics. Let's see if that does it. How about now? Is that better? I call myself turning it up when I went to speaker so you could hear the clip. I hope that's better. Now, back to the show. Our way of life has been under attack for so long. And the lack of recognition, the lack of pushback, the lack of messaging has left us as cannon fodder. We are nothing more than targets. We are still the majority. 
but they have attacked our ability to vote. Putin's puppets have attacked our ability to right the ship. It's way past Mueller time. But it's even further past the time when progressives, liberals, must speak up. And if you put it in perspective, just step back and look. You've got a president who's destroying education, who is breathing life into the dominance of an oligarchy of the rich, millionaire and billionaires, the 1%. We have nowhere to go. That's one of my favorite questions as I ask people who were anti-Hillary as they were being trolled by Russian propaganda farms, by troll farms from Russian origins. Where are you going? And I ask over and over and over and over again, where are you going? It's not enough. It's not enough to simply say, I didn't want Hillary. And I understand it. I wanted Bernie Sanders too. Uh-oh. <clears throat> I wanted Bernie Sanders too. However, he didn't make the cut. However, unscrupulous, however underhanded it was. And I do fear that um, I am falling victim here, (laughs) falling victim to uh, some type of Shortness of breath. (laughs) But um, so far, so good. I tried to have myself a hot tea and soldier on, but um, I want to run this for you and try to recoup a little. So just a little, I want to do this and pause for the calls. And good evening. Thanks for joining us on this Saturday. I'm Tom Yamas. And we begin tonight with the new White House fallout. President Trump's stunning statement after a pair of staffers resigned in the face of domestic abuse allegations. President Trump tweeting, in part, people's lives are being shattered and destroyed by a mere allegation. There is no recovery for someone falsely accused. His comment after a second staffer, speechwriter David Sorensen on the left, submitted his resignation and after the president wished 
outgoing top aide Rob Porter well, both accused of domestic abuse. Now the scandal rippling through the Oval Office with Chief of Staff John Kelly indicating his willingness to resign and Communications Director Hope Hicks dating one of the men. That tweet also comes as the national conversation about sexual misconduct and the Me Too movement rages on. ABC's David Wright gets us started at the White House. Today, in the wake of a scandal that's cost two West Wing staffers their jobs, President Trump seemed to condemn the Me Too movement, tweeting, People's lives are being shattered and destroyed by a mere allegation. Some are true and some are false. Some are old and some are new. There is no recovery from someone falsely accused. Life and career are gone. Is there no such thing any longer as due process? This after White House speechwriter David Sorensen resigned, his ex-wife accusing him of violence and emotional abuse during their marriage. He denies the allegations. So does former White House Staff Secretary Rob Porter, forced out this past week after both his ex-wives accused him of domestic abuse. One of Porter's exes released images that she says show bruises he caused, but he insists the photos are not what they seem. We certainly wish him well. It's a, uh, obviously, tough time for him. He did a very good job when he was in the White House, uh, and we hope he has a wonderful career, and hopefully he will have a great career ahead of him. Trump spoke up passionately for Porter, but the president made no mention at all of the women. The president himself has never been even-handed on allegations of sexual misconduct, giving Republicans like Roy Moore the benefit of the doubt, but calling out Democrats like former Minnesota Senator Al Franken. Mr. President, what, what is your message to women? Women are very special. I think it's a very special time because a lot of things are coming out, and I think that's good for our society. Trump is now said to be furious about the way his senior staff handled the Porter situation. Chief of Staff John Kelly initially expressed support for Porter, even though he's reportedly known about the allegations for months. ABC News was the first to report Kelly made it clear to the president he's willing to resign. This weekend, the president is also under fire for taking partisan sides in the Russia investigation, refusing to release the Democrats' classified memo. Last week, Trump ordered the release of a GOP memo, even though his own Justice Department called it extraordinarily reckless. This week, though, the White House apparently has a newfound admiration for the yeah. FBI. <laughs> um, and what we are seeing is... The problem when you have someone who lacks character in the Oval Office, it infects the whole of government. All right, let's get right to David Wright at the White House tonight. David, turning back to the controversy surrounding the White House Staff Secretary Rob Porter's resignation, reports coming out that President Trump was upset with the initial response by longtime aide Hope Hicks. That's right, Tom. As you know, Hicks is one of his closest aides. She's been with him since well before the campaign. And she and Porter were known to be an item here at the White House. Well, as communications director, she helped to draft some of the White House's initial defenses of Porter. She was said to be in hot water. But today, the president released a statement saying hope is absolutely fantastic, calling her smart, talented, and respected by all. Tom? David Wright for us tonight. David, thank you. And there will be much more. There you, there you go. Um, I don't know how successful my attempts were, but um, I'll soldier on. I'll carry on because 
have absolutely no other choice. I have no other choice. So far, I'm um, I'm basically hanging on, but. I played that particular clip because it's just another tentacle of the demise of our civility, where men rule with an iron fist. Women have no say. If they accuse you of sexual assault, you're a liar. You're a whore. You're everything in the under the sun except for a truth teller. You're everything that you that we f- have feared all of this time. That is just another part of our way of life, our civility, what we have come accustomed to. that is seized and is taken over. So it is with great pleasure that I'm simply sounding the alarm. And my alarm is simply our democracy has been infiltrated Our way of life is at risk. If you think black people have had it bad here in the United States, wait until we are under the rule of a puppet of Vladimir Putin in Russia. Everything he has disseminated to us, he is moving to put into place. Clean air, clean water, you go to hell. The word of the nation is no good. Our standing in the world has been so diminished. The division he has sparked between our allies simply offer the door wide open for Russia and Vladimir Putin. The Russian mob is unforgiving. The people who are oligarchs, the millions, the rich, the billionaires, they have no use for us. They have an army that is simply capable of putting down any insurrection. Once you find out And once you believe what's going on is going on, it'll be too late because they will have fully taken control of any and everything we know. They're destroying the norms of housing. They're destroying everything. Now he's starting a trade war because the investigation is, he will start a nuclear battle He will be the cause of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of deaths. 
on the Korean Peninsula because as the Mueller investigation wraps around his neck, he will start a nuclear war. And don't just think it's with North Korea because if you don't think China and Russia will come to the aid of North Korea to vanquish the world power, which has been America, you got another thought coming, 929-477-2867. Hopefully, I can sound the alarm a little bit better. 617-617, thank you for calling the Alpha Show. Welcome to Truth Works Network, where the truth must be spoken more than once. Well, good evening, Alpha, and I think you've got some very heavy stuff going on on the table that you've thrown out tonight. Um, I want to go back to um, your 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 comment just a few seconds ago about black people having it hard, and that this destruction and dismantling and the reverse of public policy going on in our country under this administration and how devastating it is even in reflection of how bad it has been for black people. I think I think we need to reflect on that. I think we need to have more dialogue about how this is affecting everyone and, and as you know over the past 10 years, I have been saying that public policy that we as black people need to pay attention to has to do with where we sleep, what we eat, and how we get to eat, and where we work. And in every one of those areas, we've seen retrogression in both public funding and public policy. And I think I mentioned to you a couple of weeks back when I called into the show that one of the things that we've got to do is to look at what resources we have to survive this Trump administration and how we can prepare the the generation of children who are now in public school from the harm that is beset upon them as a result. Can you imagine for a minute, I can't even imagine in my lifetime as a and I attended public schools all my life, that there was some discussion about even having a police officer near the school or calling a police officer to the school. And right now, we have public schools where where the students are predominantly black and brown, where there are actually metal detectors and armed security people, whether they're the local police department or or a, a private corporation, wandering the corridors, 
viewing students as the enemy and a preponderance of incidents all over the country, country, hundreds of them, where students are being harmed by these people with guns who have been given every authority to demonize and punish children. I mean, in my lifetime, I never would have thought that I would have seen this. So um, here you you have a president who not only has shown a disdain for poor people, but specifically for poor black and brown people. And the bottom line, as you say, is as long as he's in office, there ain't a damn thing you can do about it. Well, Everybody's talking about how to get rid of Hope Hicks or Hicks Hope or whatever her name is, but they're not talking about how to get rid of Betsy DeVos. They're not talking about how to get rid of Ben Carson. They're not talking about, and you know what, let me just say this, and I'm going to say this because I've given it a great a great thought. Of all of the cabinet appointees that Trump has made, Ben Carson is not as bad as the rest of them, which is not saying a lot, but he is not. He is one of those people who really, truly uh, isn't doing any further damage than the president is dictating. I mean, HUD could have worse. HUD could have a... A, a, a secretary who's simply trying to destroy the place and get rid of it. And that's not what Ben Carson is doing. He's allowing the president to do it, but there's still some resources there. What are you doing, Alpha? Are you washing dishes while I'm, I'm talking? I'm trying to I'm trying to get some hot tea in me so I can talk. Oh, I see. Carson's it's, um, so here's the, here's the other part. Here's the other part of your first hour that caught my interest, and that is the whole issue of black intelligentsia and the elite intellectuals uh, within our own community. I, I know you were talking about how. Um, one of the ways in which the alt-right, and it really isn't alt-right, the American evangelical culture, Christian culture, has demonized uh, intellectualism uh, and placed their brand of culture as exceptionalism in this country. In other words, Making America bright is for dumb people. I mean, ma- making America great is for dumb people. <laughs> uh, there should be a book. Somebody should write the book. How making a making America great for dummies. But in any case, I think that you know that I'm 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 pretty much uh, a black. 
socialist. And so when I when I begin to think through some of these issues, it is through a black lens. It is not through uh, an American lens. It is not through uh, kumbaya and we all hold hands and we all got to get along because that's how we're gonna that's how we're gonna make America good. Because if the people who are supposed to be our allies, who say they are our allies, wanted to make America good, they would have brought all the resources and privilege available to them to begin to make America good, and they decided not to do that. They didn't do it with George Bush. They didn't do it with Ronald Reagan. They didn't do it with Bush 1. They didn't do it with any of those people that they could have done it with. So uh, I'm discounting uh, this whole notion of can we all get along. Obviously, we can't. And that's what we have to deal with. That is the reality of our existence. We have to port, pretend that we get along for those of us who have jobs and those of us who don't want to go to jail, uh, but even that's falling apart. But anyway, I digress. Let me move along. I think that we have to resist the idea that intelligentsia is about the intelligent it is not i i wrote something in your in your chat room because it's it's an area that i think about all the time and some of our most famous intellectuals of 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 um recent history uh the marcus garveys and malcolm x and Dr. Ben, and Dr. John Henry Clark, and uh, Dr. Uh, Francis West Cress-Welsing, and Dr. Amos Wilson. All of those people were not thinking through as intellects about the problems of, 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 resourced people, black people, they were thinking through the problems of every black person, and that includes black people who are not what we call intellectuals, black people who are not uh, deemed as culturally and academically um, uh, literate. They were talking, they were thinking through the problems of everyone. I mean, Dr. Dr. I I was I was honored to have interviewed with the exception of Malcolm X and Marcus Garvey, every one of those people in my broadcast career um more than once. Um and 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 one of the things that was hallmark in the work that they did is something that is essential that we remember and that is not leaving anyone behind who wants to come and that means that that whole brand of 
the population who considered themselves academic intellects, people who wrote about us, who thought about us, who abstracted us in the context of our history, those are people who understood that it is our jobs as people in this in a unified community to provide education and knowledge and to share it. I don't know what these other people are doing. All these all these bloggers and and people who uh because Alpha doesn't say what you agree with or Alpha doesn't say it in the way that you agree. And you know, Alpha one of the reasons we have a lot of people who talk about well we don't have a black media we we had a black media but when there were opportunities for african american academic intellectuals to I I I want to be ginger about this. I I really want to step on this very lightly because I'm not one person who comes into a broadcast who wants to just beat up on black people. But there was a time when talk radio shows like yours, shows like mine, and and uh, what he, the work that Yvette Carnell is doing. Um, well, that's a Yvette's show is a is a new brand, new genre in talk radio. But anyway, uh, what we were doing was community education and information. But when the the glitter, the gold, the glitter of new gold became more popular, you know, I mean. Imagine for a minute, I've been broadcasting for 37 years. There is not one black author or thinker of our time that I haven't interviewed, had discussions with about the issues that face our community. Not one. There are one or two or three who in the in the age of MSNBC who turned me down but up until that time I had never had anyone turn me down to when when I uh, extended an invitation to be a guest on my show no one but anyway I digress but some of these people are for, have forgotten that it was community radio no one would have ever heard of Dr. Francis Chris Welsing had there not been uh, Howard University Talk Radio and WOL in Washington, D.C. Nobody. She wasn't being invited to Harvard and Yale or University of Michigan or any anywhere else. Nobody would have heard of Haki, Haki Mata Budi or... or uh, I mean, I could go on and on and on. Nobody in South Bo- in South Florida would have ever heard of Dr. Ron Daniels or Dr. Ron- Ronald Walters. 
if they hadn't been on Our Common Ground and Community Radio in Miami or Jacksonville. They didn't have any community radio in Orlando. I mean, so uh, there would, black scholars and black academic intellectuals would have had, had no place to go but to community radio. And when new opportunities opened up, black people followed those opportunities, abandoned community radio, and then they give rewards and awards to the people who sold those community radio stations, and now we have nothing. There is nothing. You well, either pay like us, I said. Either, you either come to Our Common Ground or the Alpha Show or India Declare on the Internet and, and pay nothing, so we don't have any money to market to bring new people into our audience. Or you pay $30, $35 a month and you listen to Joe Madison and um, <clears throat> and Armstrong Williams and, and and Karen Hunter, which I'm not, I'm not, don't get me wrong. You'll never find me in a public space criticizing black people who are doing something. Now, let's talk about the black people. You know, one of the reasons I love Jason Johnson is because he keeps it real, and he he's not trying to talk about Syria and Iraq or any contracts with uh, between Raytheon Corporation and Israel. He's keeping it a real, real about how people eat, where they sleep, and whether or not they can get a job. Even though he and I are on opposite sides of the coin on public policy ideology. And we may not be that far apart. So I think that when we, when you, when we start talking about, in your clip, it was clear that there is a propaganda campaign. But that issue about how elitist intellectualism is played out has to be analyzed through black lenses in a different way. And that is that we've got to we've got to push black scholars and intellectuals into a place where they understand that that unless we are paying attention to them, nobody else is paying attention to them, and if we and we will not pay attention to them if they are not pay, speaking to our truths, speaking to our issues, speaking to our pain, and not speaking bleached out from some leftover dog shit from white feminists or white intellectuals or white intellectual uh, in, intellectual pop, uh, publications and you know I, I just I just think I had to say that 
And while you're having your tea, I want people to know if they want to join us in this conversation, they can give us a call at 929-477-2867. I'm Janice Graham, and I'm with Alpha on the Alpha Show. Well, Janice, one of the things that uh, I was, I'm attempting to disseminate is that they have gotten where they are with a campaign of propaganda, of using all of the things that we believe in in a pejorative manner, be it affirmative action, uh, elite, This is why they push back so quickly and so hard when you see the people of Hollywood speak out at these uh, award ceremonies because there are millions more watching than are ever listening to the right-wing talk or the Fox News. So they reach more people, and that is all part of the attack on communications if they can silence everyone the road will be plowed <coughs> for the takeover to be complete well and you you've seen it with the uh, the children that they they're attacking children the children are the death threats that the survivors from the shooting are getting the the mere fact that and this really this really blew my mind. When you have Delta Airlines say that we're no longer going to deal with the NRA, Delta employs 33,000 people since 2008. They have added 6,500 public jobs. They're a private employer. They give $300 million a year in uh state and local taxes and fees, and they give $10 million a year to local charities. So because they have sided against the NRA, and all they did was take away the discount that NRA members get when they fly Delta, there were 13 people who took advantage of that discount. And somehow they are willing to risk over thirty three thousand jobs. And all of the things that Delta and I'm I'm not trying to stick up for Delta. Delta simply is doing the most expedient thing. There are no way the good guys. But this just shows you how evil these people are and to what lengths they'll go to protect people with guns. All of this nonsense about raise the age to 21 and uh, get rid of the bum stocks. No, no. You either regulate these guns like cars or you've done nothing. And the message should go out and it should be vote them out. If they don't regulate guns like cars, vote them out. You see, what progressives, what Democrats fail to do 
was to begin to ring that alarm. When the the predecessor that I've been most critical of had over 500 pieces of legislation filibustered, they will go to any length or any reaches for power. They don't care. They don't care. And since 2007, they filibustered 500 pieces of legislation that would have helped the middle class and actually led to an increase and a progress of the middle class. But instead, they blocked it all, and it increased cynicism, discouragement, and people who were counting on Democrats and the moderate Democrats, even the Wall Street Democrats, to make a better way. But they were of the crash and burn house, and they are simply got their way and they've been rewarded. And now look at where we are. For all of those who didn't want Hillary, I understood that it was a bad choice, but where were we going? Or where are you going? And even a better question is, what the hell are you going to do now? Our plight as people of color in this country is even more volatile, even more precarious, because if it gets bad for white folks, it becomes unbearable for black folks and people of color. So I just thought maybe... I can sound that alarm. Well, I, I think it, it's an accurate alarm, and I think it's an urgent alarm. For those of you who are just joining us, you're listening to The Alpha Show. If you'd like to join in the conversation, our number is 929-477-2867. I'm Janice Graham, co-hosting with Alpha for the second hour. Alpha, I think that this this alarm is urgent but it will not be in time it will not be timely to expect that anything is going to happen between now and I would say December I think that the special prosecutor is waiting to drop the shoe which he hasn't done yet, after the midterms, so that if, in fact, we're able to turn the tide in the Congress, then impeachment will follow. But what we've got to understand is that we have a community that has to be in survival operation until such time. And my question is, what does that look like? What does our survival look like? What does our survival machine look like? And while people are hosting Black Panther parties, the movie, while people are hosting <laughs> all kinds of other conferences to talk about, to 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 really, you know, we we have to understand the difference between discourse 
because discourse leads to an outcome. Discourse and gossiping. We've got to understand the difference between discourse and planning and organizing. And and I just don't see us doing that. For instance, this is a time where major organizations in this country, instead of thinking that they can be part of the machine that's going to get rid of Trump and all his goons, that we should be organizing three major things. One is learning academies for our children. Because in most major schools, especially in the urban areas of our country, children are not learning what they need to know uh, in public schools. It is not an environment that inspires good character building and understanding of our history so they have a sense of where they've been so they they can build a sense of where they can go. So that's one thing, learning academies. And we should be doing that um, as much as we do in building soccer, Pop Warner, and basketball programs. The second thing that we need to be doing as much as we can is to increase financial and historical literacy for adults. We need to help black people figure out how they can get under from under the oppression of credit reporting agencies, I'm talking about Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian, because those agencies are controlled by the same people. Alpha, yeah. you're making noise. You're making noise. <laughs> I'm, trying to, noise. I'm trying to get a cough drop in his teeth. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, I should, and I should have muted it, but... Um, we need we need to be we we need to be doing that. The third thing is how poor people with the kind of cuts that are going to come from um programs that feed and house our people. What we are going to do to ensure that people are, are housed. We're going to see if, if if we're with with under your alarm. Part of the alarm is that we're going to see uh, a, a a huge increase in black family homelessness because over the last I would say eight to ten years. Most of the focus has been on homelessness for veterans, and that's where the money has been going. Now the money is drying up. The jobs are drying up. Where are black families? And the cut in public housing. You know, at the same time, 
we're cutting public housing. We're also selling off public public housing properties. So how are we going to, and you know, it's really interesting that in, if you take a look at uh, the Trump uh, budget, which is really a proposal to to the Congress, and we can talk about how fearful members of the Congress are of of Donald Trump and and his and his Russian goons. Um, so I think we need to think about that. And it was something that I had a conversation over the phone with with Yvette Carnell uh, a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about this whole issue of propaganda and how we have got to do some education and some information about propaganda in our own community, black propaganda, which sometimes positions itself, uh, anti-government talk positions itself as... um, as um black liberation uh discussion and and proposals so everything that is anti-government doesn't necessarily mean it is black empowerment black progressive empowerment so we need to talk about that now um i just want to give out the number for those of you who are listening uh, again, and the number here at the Alpha Show is 929-477-2867. And to remind you that uh, Alpha is here every Sunday night, at, uh, every Saturday night at 10 p.m. Um, and people have been writing to me wondering when I'm coming back on the air. And it is clear, and you see it everywhere, that... Um, <clears throat> I won't be coming back on the air uh, before, I would say, somewhere around August of 2018. Um, I've got to get myself situated, and and I'm in the process of retiring, so um, that won't be happening. But Alpha was here in my time slot here at 10 p.m. Eastern Time at TruthWorks Network, and we are grateful that he can has returned back on the air. India Declare, by the way, who is our colleague, has uh is broadcasting on Friday nights at nine PM on her station, which is the I Declare show. And you should check all of us out on Facebook and Twitter. I can be found at Janice O C G and Alpho is at Truthworks Network on uh, TWN Talk, at TWN Talk on Twitter. So, Alpha, those, you know, what? I got a caller, and I want to incorporate, I want to put this caller in. Okay. Along with us. Okay. 646, welcome to the Alpha Show. Thank you for calling TruthWorks Network. Hey, Alpha, what's going on, Janice, my queen? How are you doing, my sister? Good, Jay. How you doing? I'm How good. you doing, Jay? Are you Jay? staying out of trouble? I'm good. Are you staying out of trouble on Twitter? I haven't been on lately, so I haven't seen if you're up to date. The usual is the medicine. 
I, I I look to see what kind of dust I can kick up in there every now and then. Oh, I love it. You know I love it. You know I love it. But listen, what the two two things? Number one, let me let me get your take on this Jared Kushner thing. Do you think that just put Jared Kushner? Jared Kushner, his oh, son-in-law. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you do you think they go get him? Because I think yeah. he's dirty. I think he's dirty. I think he's as dirty. No, no, they're, they're going. They gonna get him. Mueller is going to get him. He will. I think get they him. pretty much have him, but it's going to be a matter, a matter of timing. I think you probably might see um, indictments on some things that he can plea deal to before the midterm. And then after the midterm, I think they're going to get him on um, money laundering, on treason, yeah. treasonous I, uh, I, laundering. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think they're going to get him on. I don't think they're going to get him on treason. I think they're going to get him on on money laundering and some other financial things that well, that's going he's on. A, keep in mind, because he's a senior official, whether he gets paid or not which is another issue that nobody's really talking about. How can you be a, uh, an employee of the federal government and not get paid? That's, somehow that, I don't and know no how clearance. that happens. And no clearance. So, the big thing is no clearance. Well, um, I, well you know, I you don't have that, to have clearance. I think this, this week we're going to see um, – I think this week there are plenty of people who don't have clearance and 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 get paid, but I yeah, think but, this week but, we're going to see some movement on the clearance issue. Because the thing is, is BJ, let me we, say this: there are a number of people in the administration, and from my understanding, from what I've been hearing, in high positions that don't have the necessary clearance to have access to certain. Government documents. It's and then my question that's 130 is always, of them. Okay. 130 of them. My question is this. Yeah, but, that's but my in the question White is House. this. That's in the right. White House. Mm-hmm. But my question is this. How could you go about the business of negotiating on the behalf of America on the level that that character is and not have necessary clearance and clear understanding of what you are presenting? And then on top of that, family. How. Let me tell Wait, you I how. This. Let me tell you how. How you do it is that you work for a corrupt and incompetent administration. That's how you do it. Clear. Clear. Because no, we clear you know, on this. In my career, I worked for the Missile Systems Division. I was an I was an official at the Missile Systems Division of Raytheon Corporation. I had two levels of above a top secret, not because anybody was showing me any top secret documents, but simply because I was in areas where there was access to those documents. That's how that's how the National Security Council regulations work. And if we had a Congress worth a damn, they would have 
done something about this situation. If we had a National Security Council worth a damn, they would have done something about both Jared Kushner and Ivanka Kushner and Bob Rob Port, uh, Portman and all of those people who are working on an interim. I mean, Jay, one of the things that people, in order to understand this whole issue of security clearance, if you are invited to a meeting in the White House, they do a security vetting before they give you, put you on the list. You understand? Right. No, so, no, that's why I'm saying we, we understand this. It's just, okay, now we, we could get past this and just go on to my second question. My second question, in all honesty, is from what I have observed, in all truthfulness, BJ and Alpha, what the hell is the Democratic Party doing? Now, I'm not, I'm not a member of the party. I don't respect the party. But from an outsider sitting in that have associates and friends who are loyal to the Democratic Party to the bone, I'm really trying to figure out what is the Democratic Party doing? doing? They're not going to get the white male vote back. Why don't they just give up on them and go about the business in hand and recruiting more of the loyalists and trying to attack this this so-called Republican Party, which it no longer is, on the corruption and all of the other things that it's doing and try to explain to their so-called loyalists how they are absolutely being decimated and hurt through everything that this 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 Neanderthal knuckle dragon orange shade whatever you want to refer to him as that's the head a man that don't even have no 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 right in all honesty to be sitting at that table. I mean, you know, I'm starting to really really feel BJ that Tom Cruise. Perez, Tom Perez, is an undercover Republican. And a well, I think I think I think most Democrats, the most Democrats are undercover. I mean, it, Jay, you've been listening to my show and to Alpha long enough to understand. It's it's no Republicans, it's no Democrats, it's Tweedly Dumb and Tweedly D. Yeah. So and the money man, that's the puppet master. And here. And here's my question. You know, but, but, here's but, my but question. Here, the way but, we, you, the way all three of Wait a minute, Alpha. The leadership of Schumer. Let, let's just talk about Schumer. Oh please, oh please, let's not. Schiff is do Adam Schiff is pushing back on the Republican Party harder than Schumer. Now, why is that? It's because because he's a Wall Street Democrat. Thank you. Well, the Wall, the Wall, then Wall Street is getting ready to face some issues and problems. I mean, just what he did with this whole tariff thing—that—that um, that, it seems yeah, that, is going to cause that's, some that's sort not of problem. But that's a smoke spring. Yeah, the tariff what? is not going to happen. That's just another. That's just another deception. That's another deception. He put that out there to deflect, to distract. From this Mueller investigation and from all of the trouble and chaos he's having there at the White House. Now, 
um, you know, it's really laid out there. Um, you know, like an interstate road, man. You can go from exit one to exit three. 333 or whatever. I mean, it's just it's just a straight shot, and um, mm-hmm. she's really a a, a, a breath of I'll pass uh, that on fresh air. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll really pass that on to her. Uh, one of the things, House, um, that you know is my trademark in this in this business is that we have to get beyond the conclusions to tooling up um, the responses to what we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that means that we have got to do more organizing, and the organizing has to be more comprehensive. We have to do some deep dive into understanding to whom we are serving. Um, <clears throat> people who have jobs, people who have the ability to get jobs, keep jobs, or whatever. Um, jobs, is, uh, jobs, skills, and and job placement is not a problem for them. But we have millions of black people in this country who are not prepared, who, I mean, and, and that's not even talking about the people who are, inca- our people who are incarcerated, by the millions who went into prisons with no skills, uh, um, with no literacy, either academic literacy, financial literacy, or cultural or historical literacy. Mm-hmm. We have got to start understanding that our responses have to be to building a black nation and sustaining the resources that we do have. And that mean, that really means that we've got to go into some of our colleges and universities and insist on adult academies, insist on academies that are supplemental to what's happening in our public schools. We've got mm-hmm. to start teaching our children about what they face in, in in real life so that they understand that all of the preparation that is required is required. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I um, send a, a text message to my grandson, and he passes it on to his friends, and every morning my text to him is, where is greatness? And he answers, I am here. And that is what we have to do with our children, to teach them despite Donald Trump and all the propaganda they hear and all the music craziness that they're into, that they have to do the work. Yeah, uh yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. Um You know, we've gotta you know, go we've gotta, gotta go in we've gotta go into our public housing developments and start having adult academies. Because if you have adults who are learning, then they begin to value that learning. Once they value that learning, 
they transpose that experience to their children. Mm-hmm. We got to save these people. We we really well, do. You know, and we've got right. to have all all these people who are building. I mean, it, it's like um, I get a headache trying to keep up with the thousands of little podcasts, and everybody's got a goddamn opinion, and the opinion is built on <laughs> dust. Um, I really do get a headache about it. I just, yeah, I just. I mean, um, uh, <clears throat> that we have got to start, you know, um, doing the things that matter to our people and questioning <clears throat> what our people who have resources are doing and calling it black uh, empowerment. Mm-hmm. We gotta do that. Hey House, hey House, let yep. me grab this next call, man. I appreciate your All call. Right. Good to talk with you. I appreciate you, House. your call. You too. I'm just gonna put you on mute, mute, House. I'm cool, gonna put you, you on mute. All right. Alpha, you getting the other call? I'm trying. I'm trying to put House on mute. Nothing's happening. Let me see. Let me go to 404. 404, welcome to the Alpha Show. Thank you for calling TruthWorks Network. Indeed. Uh, how you doing, Alpha? Uh, how you doing, sister? Uh, good to good to hear y'all on again. This is Naj. I spoke to y'all many, many, many times, but uh, respect hey, is always. Hey, hey, hey. Good yeah, evening, man. brother. <laughs> good evening. Yeah, I mean, y'all are getting it so much. I'm going to try to, you know, be quicker than I usually am. So uh, the first things first, as far as the Dems, uh, their whole policy is going to be look at that monster over there, and they hope to ride that wave into office and kind of try to keep as much uh, status quo as they can. They don't want to go towards DSA and some of the more progressive ideas that are out here. Look at how many won't even uh, say that they agree with Medicare for all. So <laughs> You kind of have the Dems just hiding and allowing Trump to keep shooting himself in the foot and attempting to run on that because they don't want to come up with the New Deal policy that's actually needed. Uh, what we're seeing right now is the empire in decline, and you got a lot of people who decided they're just going to raid the Treasury and raid everything that's not nailed down and try to stuff it into their pockets. So with that going on, with automation, with you know just the new economy, where they're telling people, well, you're part of the gig economy. So what, you don't have any uh, employment, unemployment insurance, health care, or any other benefit that, you know, a, a job that you work is supposed to have. They want people to get by on less and less. And if people aren't willing to actually have a working class fight to change the way this country is going, then we're going to have serious problems. And if the Dems aren't an ally in that fight, what good are they? Now, uh, going to your other point, uh, as far as us, yeah, we, we do have a chattering class that's really good at talking about things, but we send people to school for a certain expertise, and then we don't listen to them. You guys had Sandy Darity on your show. He was talking about the uh, job guarantee and, you know, just some of these things that people are going to have to look at 
uh, just because of how economies are changing globally. And I think one mistake we make, too, is uh, we, we tend to think a lot of times that Trump is smart like a fox and deceptive on some things, when sometimes he's just an idiot. And sometimes when he, <laughs> you let him talk too much, he'll sometimes, say something that's sometimes extremely he's damaging, <laughs> and then he'll have to walk it back, but he's already done the damage, you know, kind of like that tariff mm-hmm. situation. Uh, that but, was but, something but, that but he, let me let me let you me know. Um, oh, you know, as you probably know, Sandy Darity is Sandy Darity and I were classmates at MIT, and mm-hmm. he's one of my favorite people in the world, and he's and and I'm so happy that his his proposals his are getting a lot of traction inside the community of economists. He's getting yeah. a lot of traction. But one of the things that we have to do is we have to look at what are the things, what's the infrastructure that we can create before we get there, before we get to baby bonds. I mean, I have talked to some very high-level people in federal agencies about the whole notion of baby bonds and how that might work. But the other thing is before we get there, why aren't we talking about taking some of these new developments created by the, by by HUD funding? You know, it costs it costs about $250,000 a square foot to build a four-bedroom house in public housing. Um <clears throat> which means that on the market that unit is probably um in the rental market in the in the in in the real estate market uh, about $300,000. Well, if we spend $300,000 doing subsidies for that unit for 10 years, that makes it a $600,000 unit. Why aren't we just building housing and 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 giving people home ownership with that housing and allowing them to pay what they would normally pay toward their subsidized housing as a trust for maintenance for the housing that's simple yeah what, what yeah that's, that's too much like right as far as it's like <laughs> new deal thinking like we have to we have to accept that okay things as they are not only will not work they're not working right now. This is inequality exactly. on the, you exactly. know, the highest level we've ever yep. seen. Exactly. So we You're continue right. to yep. do Absolutely. the things we're doing. Uh, we're only going to make the problem either, you know, happen much faster yep. or it's going to get to the point to where you just have chaos, period. Because you talked about the housing crisis, uh, especially, especially right now in the big city where people are being priced out to the former suburbs and the people who used to hate the so-called city are now moving back into the city with all the infrastructure and everything else needed for a city. So, you know, we're watching that displacement go on right now. But like I said, this has to be new era, new deal stuff. But the other part that black people, I don't think most black people will accept because the word socialism is so scary to most black people, but there are some mm-hmm. tenets of socialism that we need to apply, community-based. Exactly. Because I, exactly. I, I'll, just, I'll just say You're it uh, the black wealthy class is not coming back to save the working and poor classes of black folk. They don't have the money to do it or the will to do it. So I mean, we, we okay. have to be but, honest. But we about can it. deal. We can deal. Uh, we can deal with the will. 
because we can cut them off at the pass. Because I will tell you that if people, if black people didn't listen to Melissa Harris Perry, Joy Ann Reed, um, um, uh, Armstrong Williams, Mark Thompson, Joe Madison, white people would cut them off. You understand what I'm saying? Indeed. <laughs> we have to understand okay. that as a point of power. And it's the well, same thing have... with the academics. Yeah, You're right. because power is You're really right. the only issue. Because you, you guys talked about gonna... skills earlier. Like, if we go to educational mm-hmm. skills right now, which groups are actually leading in that? Well, not the groups who are making the highest salaries and have the most CEO positions. Why? Well, because this country has a certain <laughs> racist aspect to it, as we all know. So exactly. it's not a thing of scaling up black folks either. It's a thing of having the power to resist and stop uh, when other people are trying to trample upon you. So, I mean, exactly. that's just what I'm curious about. Uh, yeah, all right. We're going to have to put a pin Alpha in there. Giving, so. I think Alpha is going to have to signal. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're oh, going to have to put a pin in there. We got a, we got about 10 minutes here. Thank, thanks a lot. Thank you very much for calling this show now. Uh, we got to put a pin in this. Um, uh, I want to... Uh, I want to uh, disseminate a particular message as I end the show. Uh, Janice, you can hang on if you want. <laughs> but I'll see it's it like this. It's been a pleasure, Alpha. I'll listen off, All right. off, off mic. All right. Thanks a lot, Janice. I'll just, you want me, I'll just put you on mute. Okay. Let's see here. But... Um, the things I want to say is simply this. I've tried to sound the alarm on these issues today, and I felt compelled to do so. Capitalism never should be allowed anywhere near healthcare system. They hold sick children hostage as they force parents to bankruptcy themselves in a desperate scramble to pay for medical care. The sick does not have a choice. Medical care is not a consumable good. You have to understand that. So for the people to poo-poo Medicare for all makes absolutely no sense. But the right has the microphone. They have the propaganda machine up and running. You have to understand. Rumors are carried by haters, spread by fools, and accepted by idiots. America will not be destroyed by undocumented workers, same-sex marriage, Muslims, atheists, or abortions. But rather, unreasonable fears, uncontrolled hatred, divisive politics, ethical politicians, deliberate misinformation, and a gullible population. And it is up to us as a people to understand this and disseminate this to our youth. It is up to us as a people to say, hold on. We can do better. The Democratic Party 
like Janet says, is twiddly D and twiddly duh. However, where you going? If you aren't actively trying to grab a hold of the Democratic Party by the neck and drag them back to a progressive left, you are simply pissing in the wind. You're screaming in the canyon because they've all become too big to fail. And once you get a taste of what's going on, you have to understand that the GOP has become ideology, ideologically extreme, scornful of compromise, unmoved by conventional understanding of facts, evidence, and science, and dismissive of legitimacy of its political opposition. Republicans are the problem. It's not a thing of either or. Where are you going? You can dislike Democrats, but you better very well be in there trying to drag them back to the left, back to where they belong. Just like the Tea Party invaded the Republican Party, progressives have to invade the Democratic Party. The Schumers, the Dick Durbins, the all of the Diane Feinsteins and the whole nine yards are culpable in all of this bovine. Bovine equine canine. And for those of you who don't get that, it's bullshit, horseshit and dog shit. Because that's what the politics of today are. To make a difference, I feel we have to attack the side that is less evil and try to do something about it. Vote out every single damn Republican and leave it as that. You see, you are accustomed to privilege. Equality feels like oppression, and that's what's wrong with these right-wing knuckle drags. They feel like nothing applies to them. They feel like anyone who needs help shouldn't get any help because they simply have their hand out while ignoring the government teat that the Defense Department sucks on, the military complex sucks on tax breaks that are given. There's a reckoning coming and we can't sit idly by and watch it take shape. The only thing the Black Panther can do for we as a people is to flip that light switch on in our head because even that is a composition by white supremacy. Oh, it's a good movie and everybody's fired up about it. But the people on the right understand it and firing people of little means is not the way to go. That's just like gun control. They don't want anything to happen because if anything happens, 
it will diminish their power. And that's what they're afraid of. And if you're afraid of that, you're afraid of everything. One thing I came across that I was able to pick up and uh, it applies. It's only a few seconds long. This could very well be the stupidest person on the face of the earth. Perhaps we should shoot him. That's right. The stupidest people on the face of the earth. And that's where we're going. That's where I'm headed. Remember, I'll see you next week if all is well. When injustice becomes law, resistance becomes due. If you don't have a job and you're not rich, blame yourself. Ratings are more important than the truth. Our government builds twice as many prisons and schools. It's easier to find a Big Mac than an apple. And when you find the apple, it's been genetically processed and modified. Presidents lie. Politicians trick us. Race is still an issue. So is religion. Your God doesn't exist. My God does, and he is all-loving. If you disagree with me, I'll kill you. Or even worse, argue you to death. 92% of songs on the radio are about sex. Kids don't play tag, they play twerk videos. The average person watches five hours of television a day, and it's more violence on the screen than ever before. Technology has given us everything we could ever want, and at the same time, stolen everything we really need. Pride is at an all-time high. Humility, an all-time low. Everybody knows everything. Everybody's going somewhere, ignoring someone, blaming somebody. Not many human beings left anymore. A lot of human doings, plenty of human lingerings in the past. Not Until next week, people. I guess it will get a little more interesting. The nation is in a quandary. It's a mess. You've been listening to The Alpha Show. Join us next Friday night, 10 p.m. Alpha will lay it out. It's just damn politics. Thank you for joining us at TruthWorks Network, The Alpha Show. TruthWorks presents The Alpha Show. Each Friday, 10 p.m. It's Fire in the Belly Friday at TruthWorks Network. Bring your own rocks. The best a political pushback. Just Donald Trump once said he identified with Ayn Rand's character, Howard Rourke, in The Fountainhead. An architect so upset that a housing project he designed didn't meet specifications, 